0: Waiting here tonight. Does anybody have a testimony of healing that happened to you recently? I think we haven't had many of those because we've been a little pressed for time. But uh, we would take that if anybody had it. Anybody have a have a testimony of the Lord's healing uh, in your life? Well, the Lord hasn't been doing much, has he? Yeah, Dan. I don't know what it was, but I had uh, chest pains all day Thursday and Friday. And uh, my wife and sister-in-law and mother-in-law prayed for me Thursday evening. Uh huh. Got better Friday and Saturday. I played basketball all day. So it was. I was so healed. Now, fun. have you heard that verse that says we don't tempt the Lord? <laughs> <laughs> That's one sure way to tell. To go, yeah. <laughs> I guess it is. You might have you might have a dramatic revelation, you know, you want, want to be careful. At. Well, that's good. Anybody else? Well, I can, you know, my lady, this year, like, this time last year, I was uh-huh. having so much trouble with my leg, and I can thank the Lord. It uh-huh. was gradual, thing. it, it hurts uh-huh. occasionally, but it's so much better. Well, that's good. We prayed for you and anointed you. That brings out two things. First of all, Dan uh, got his family together. And they prayed for him. A lot of people feel, you know, it says call the elders of the church and let them pray. But you don't have to have the elders to pray. It's uh, hopeful that you can develop the relationship in your family where you can pray for each other. And that's good. Another thing uh, that has been brought out by the testimony is the fact that some healings are gradual. And don't discount that. Uh, the, the, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the gift of miracles. It also talks about the gifts of healing. Now, the difference between a miracle and a healing is the fact that the healing is gradual. The miracle is all at once, and God does both. Most of the time, it's a gradual healing, so that can happen. Also, you need to realize that sometime you'll be healed, but the symptom will come back. And when it does, you say, oh my goodness, I haven't been healed. And then you drift into unbelief. So if you believe that God has healed you, you have to hold on to that. And sometimes either the symptom will come back or very real pain will come back. But you can rebuke it and and let it go away. Uh, I have these things. I've given them out. This is called Jesus and healing, the different ways that Jesus healed. If you haven't received one of these, would you hold up your hand? And um, uh, let's see. Mike, would you give uh, take one yourself and give those out and give me back any left, left over? That's the different things of Jesus' healing and the different ways he did it, which shows you basically that there's no one way to do it. And then second of all, this one that we have called Healing in the Scriptures. And it's the different uh, scripture verses on healing who doesn't have a copy of this now i've given this out before all right um, i'll ask you well you've got a lot I get rid of yeah. stuff <laughs> if you'll give those hold up your hand if you want one of those and mike give me any back that you have on that i didn't keep one all of them all right i'll get a copy for you later <coughs> Well, now, I don't want all of them given out, because i got to keep one, no, so keep give, me to give, back, uh, <laughs> give me back that one, and uh, you see me, I'll get you one, but I have to, that's the only copy I've got, so I have to... Here's have, another one of that. Okay, all right. Hold on to that. Oh, okay, all right, all right. All right everybody got this one? The Lord provides. The Lord? There you go. <laughs> there you go. <coughs> <All right. coughs> the brethren, is it? I've given these out twice, and so I didn't bring too many. I thought most of you uh, had gotten them. So if you haven't, I'll give them out next time. All right, uh, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father, we just thank you tonight for the promises in your word. And we pray, Lord, that you would direct us as we seek your word uh, in the healing dimension. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to turn to our theme verse, which is in John 14, beginning in verse 11 um, through 17. I'd like to read it, John uh, chapter 14, verse 12 through 17. Well, 11 through 17, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Otherwise, believe me on the account of the works themselves. I'm going to preach on Sunday, well, no, it won't be Sunday, but it'll be a little after that, On uh, principally on the Incarnation. And one member of the church wrote me and said, we don't appreciate the tremendous truth of the Incarnation. Now, first of all, uh, John says, believe that God actually came in Jesus. And then believe that you, when Jesus is in you, can do the same works that Jesus did. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do shall he do, and greater works, not qualitatively, but quantitatively, because there are more of us. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. He said he went to the Father, but he would send a comforter to to us. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now that's not an unequivocal promise that you'll get anything you want. It means, first of all, that you're doing the work of God. Because he says, uh, he who believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do. So if you're praying in the name of the Father, in the work of God, the prayer will be answered. If it's only something for self, God can still answer that, but you don't have a guarantee that he will answer it. You may be praying for the wrong thing. Also in verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That means you can't be out of the will of God and expect answers to prayer. Uh, Sometime they come. That's just God's grace but it has that dimension. Then it says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. You need to realize if you get serious about this, people are going to think you're crazy. Now they are. And you just got to live with that. And sometimes members of your own family will think you're crazy. And that's what's called bearing the reproach. Now, the Bible says don't cast your pearls before swine. And you can do this in a subtle way. You can do this in a non-threatening way. And you don't have to be the white lone ranger, you know, that that you're the super spiritual person. You can come, the Bible says, humble yourself, and I will exalt you. And so you can do it in a very humble way, very definite way, but people many times are not going to receive it. It's always interested me that people say, well, I don't believe it's God's will for me to be healed, but they will go to every doctor they can find to be healed. They'll take any medicine that they can find to be healed, and if they don't believe it's God's will, then I don't know why they take the medicine, why they go to the doctor, because the medicine and the doctor could interfere with God's will. So it really doesn't make sense. And I think most people you know, would do anything they could uh, to be healed. Now, we have, that's basically our theme verse in this, and I think just the truth of that verse um, gets rid of a lot of false uh, implications of healing. I shared my experience with you. We looked at the history of healing. We talked about the personality of Jesus that ministered healing, his love and his joy and his peace and his long-suffering or patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness. I think that goes a long way into the healing process. One of the best healers in this town is Dr. William Rabel, now a retired surgeon. I would pay that man just to go sit in his office. Because when you sit in his office, you just got the love of Jesus just surrounded you. And so I believe we need the personality of Jesus in the healing ministry. Second of all, we need the power of Jesus, and we have that. We have that in the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. Wisdom and knowledge and faith, and gifts of healing, affecting of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, that is evil spirits, tongues, and interpretation. Now none of these things are natural. They're all supernatural. And so this goes along with the more natural gifts of the Spirit. Now when I say natural gifts of the Spirit, like in Galatians 5, I mean the gifts that all Christians have naturally. They are supernatural in their essence. But all Christians have these naturally. But when we get to the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, these are the charismata, or the grace gifts. And I believe these are given severally as the Spirit directs. Some have the gift of prophecy, some have the gift of healing, some have the gift of miracles, and this sort of thing. I do believe that... um, Every Christian who desires it can have all of these gifts, but may not be gifted in them. For instance, the gift of healing. I believe any Christian can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But that doesn't mean you have a ministry of healing. But if all of a sudden everybody you lay hands on, or most of them get healed. Or if you have a healing service and every time you have it, somebody gets healed, then you can ask yourself whether or not you have the gift of healing. Now I believe what Jesus used when he was on the earth to heal and minister to people is not different from what you and I have. Now Jesus was different. He was the incarnate Son of God. He was perfect man and perfect God. But he abdicated the essence of God being manifested in his life and took on the limitations of human flesh. And so when he came down here, he used these gifts of the Spirit that you and I can use. And sometimes we don't realize the amount of power we have. I still get surprised when somebody is healed. And I hate it when I do. But I still do. Because see, deep down inside, you say, I'm such a sinner. You know? I'm so, you know, I'm... Now, now, these big uh, ministers, you know, they can do this. But uh, I am just me, you know? And we have this spiritual inferiority complex. And we don't need that. Because as God leads you, God will provide for you. Now, last time we talked about the fact that faith has a part in healing, but not the total part. I'm, to, I'm not going to go through what I went through last time, but I'm going to give you the verses that show you that faith has a great deal to do with healing. It's Matthew 9, 27 through 29, Matthew 9, 27 through 29, you can look these up, Luke 17, 11 through 19, Luke 18... 35 through 42. Now those are just three instances. There are more in the scripture, but those are three instances where a person was said to be healed because of their faith. But there are also indications where God heals sovereignly, where there is no faith. For instance, in Acts 3, the lame man at the gate, beautiful. He didn't want to be healed. He wanted money. And Peter said, silver and gold, have a none, but such as I have, give I unto you. In the name of Jesus, rise and be healed. And he did. That's sovereign. The thief, uh, or, or the young man rather, in the garden. In the garden of Gethsemane. That ear was cut off. That young man had no, ha- no faith and Jesus just reached out and healed his ear. So we cannot say, if you have faith, you'll be healed. If you don't have faith, you won't be healed. And you have to watch that. Because you can really put a guilt load on somebody and the trouble is you don't know that that's what's going on you may get them to feel very well boy if i just could believe enough i could get out of this wheelchair now undoubtedly they can believe and get out of wheelchairs and and people do that but that doesn't mean everybody in a wheelchair doesn't have enough faith because you don't know all the things involved. And you have to be real careful about that. So faith can be used in healing, and is. And God heals sovereignly. And sometimes God doesn't heal. And I wish I could explain all that. But I've read part of this before. I want to read you what Catherine Kuhlman said. Now, I met Catherine Kuhlman one time. I even, I even ministered to Catherine. That was a weird experience. But anyway, uh, I knew her, and I observed her ministry firsthand. And I would say that probably God used her more than any other single individual that I know in healing. And this is what she writes. She said, there was a day when I was very young, And I knew a great deal more than I do now. (laughs) I said, you must do thus and so to be healed. There are certain conditions that have to be met. I thought, for example, that faith on the part of the seeker was absolutely necessary. Then one day I got the shock of my life. A man said his deaf ear had just been opened in a service, but he said he had no faith at all. I don't believe in it, he said. I never go to church. Well, there went my theology out the window. Take another example. Twenty years ago, this is Catherine Kuhlman. I believed that absolutely come hell or high water, that's what she said, it was God's will for everybody without exception to be healed. But I've watched this thing very carefully. Now I see that we can't demand or command that God do anything. In general, I definitely believe it is God's will to heal but I can't say absolutely what is or is not his will in a particular case. And I would add, at a particular time. There are some things I've learned not to touch. Now that's Catherine Kuhl. The other most significant healing minister that I know is a man by the name of Francis McNutt. And Dr. McNutt has been used widely in healing, and he will be at this church in March. Several uh, will be in this church in April or May. No. May, is it May? Uh, in March, several elders and I are going to um, California, to Glendale, California, and we're mm-hmm. going to be in a meeting with him, and we're going to be in a conference that is being conducted by him and by Dr. Charles Craft of um, Fuller Theological Seminary, on healing and deliverance, and also by Jack Chisholm, who is a friend of mine and is pastor of the Glendale Presbyterian Church. They have a wide ministry in healing teams, and we're going to go there. But Francis McNutt writes this: he says, Healing is mysterious. Now the Bible says in 1 Timothy 3:16, Great is the mystery of godliness. Now, you have to look at the context. It's talking about the incarnation. Paul says great is the mystery of godliness and then he goes on to say God was revealed in the flesh beheld by angels believed on by the world taken up in glory. Now he's not talking about healing there. He's talking about the fact of the living God being in man's flesh and then that man's flesh dying and being resurrected and taken up to God. And he said we can't understand that. But what if we said we have equated healing and the atonement, right? That's what we've done. So if you can't understand the atonement completely, then don't expect to understand healing completely. Francis McNutt said healing is a mystery. The best that man can do is bow down before the mystery that is God. When God chooses to reveal his mind, we can act with assurance. At other times we are in doubt about a particular case. The most honest thing to do is admit the doubt and bow before the mystery. That's helped me so much. When somebody comes to me to pray for them, I just try to be honest. And if I feel something, you see, my honesty was in, my dishonesty was in two ways before. First of all, sometime when I didn't feel something, I would indicate I did. When I wasn't really sure that healing was go- going on, I would try to pray louder.
1: <laughs> you know, if
0: I just pray louder, then that ought to do it. And then sometime when I would really think God was doing something, I was scared to say He was, because suppose the person wasn't healed, then I'd look like an idiot. Well, humble yourself. Under the mighty hand of God and healed. What what does it matter if you look like an idiot? What does it matter? Are you an idiot for believing God? You know? It's God's business, whether the person's healed or not. And if we could ever get free from that, then I believe we could be used tremendously. So I believe you have to be honest. If you don't feel anything, you don't think healing is ta- Well, if you don't heal th- Think healing has taking place. Sometimes I just wouldn't say anything because the healing might have, and you don't think it, and you can discourage the person. And so that's the reason I never believe a doctor ought to say something's terminal. I don't, cause he doesn't know. I told my wife, if any doctor ever tells you that I'm going to die, don't you tell me. What good's it going to do? And if I hear that a doctor says I'm going to die, there's enough carnality in me to believe that. And it's going to be harder for me to come. And and the simple fact is, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. God can resurrect me on the last day. So I think that we have to be honest, and I'm glad that um, Francis McNutt brings that out. Now, I want to talk about tonight why... People are sick for just a moment, and then we're going to get, we're going to start on um, how to stay healthy, how you can stay healthy in your life, and then we're going to finish our sessions uh, next time and the time after that on how to minister healing. But why are we sick? First of all, we're sick because of sin. The Bible says the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Now... I believe that die doesn't literally mean expire physically. Now, eventually you will. But you're going to die, whether you're a Christian or not, unless Jesus comes back. I think what that means is in in the death there, the soul that sinned, it shall die. Uh, It means that sickness can operate. It also means that separation and loneliness from God can operate. And that's the worst thing. When you're separated from the Lord and you can't hear the Lord and you can't have a relationship with the Lord. So I think sin causes sickness and alienation from God. Uh, In 2 Samuel 12, we find that uh, Bathsheba's son died as a result of David's sin and of the murder of her husband. Uh, We read in Luke 1.20 that Zechariah... uh, the father of John the Baptist, he could not speak. He was made dumb because he doubted God's promise about that he'd give him a son, he and his wife Elizabeth, and so his sickness was due to unbelief. Then we find in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, it says that because people don't rightly discern the body of Christ, many are weak and many are sickly, and many die. You know my feeling about people that don't belong to a body. I'm not impressed with them. I'm really not. I'm never impressed with these people that say, well, no, I don't belong to a church. I just go where God leads me. Bull. That's not... That's The New Testament knows nothing about that. Nothing about that. And the fact says, if you do not discern the body of Christ... And I believe that means, it means a lot of different things, and I don't have time to do an exegesis on that. It's a complicated concept. But part of it means you don't discern your need for the body of Christ. And you separate yourself from the body of Christ. Then many are weak and sickly, and many die. And I've never seen the statistics on it, but I guarantee you, if you look at the statistics on people that go to church and people that don't. And particularly if they're actively involved in a body, you're going to find they live a whole lot longer than people don't. So, first of all, we're sick because of sin. The cure is repentance and to seek forgiveness. Then we're sick because of Satan. In Luke 11:14, 14, Jesus... He, see, that's the reason that somebody who's sick shouldn't automatically assume, well, I am a terrible sinner. <coughs> or if I was such a terrible sinner, or if I believed, I wouldn't be sick. Because that's not true. That's not the only cause of sickness. The second cause is Satan. Luke eleven fourteen, 14, where Jesus cast out the demon of the man who could not speak. Now, that's just <coughs> one instance. But he didn't go to that man that was dumb and say, what you need to do is repent. He didn't say that. What you need to do is have more faith. He didn't say that. He cast out the demon that was in him. And so faith and, and, and sin are irrelevant when Satan attacks. Also in Luke 13, 16, a woman was bound. I'm not sure what bound means. Uh, I tend to believe it means bound with evil spirits, probably depression, anxiety, things like that. It might be a physical thing, but a lot of times when a person is bound physically, it's because of that. Uh, Marie Delion, who is a... A uh, counselor here in town told me that she was at Mandela and there was a man that was in, in uh, extreme depression and was bent over just like this. He couldn't even straighten up. He asked her to pray for him. She prayed for him. And he was sitting down in a chair like this when she prayed and after she prayed he kind of straightened up a little bit and then she got ready to leave. And he walked out with her. He walked out of the room, and she walked down the hall. By the time they reached the end of the hall, he had straightened, completely up. So you see, he was bound physically. But there was emotional context to it. That's what Satan will do. Also, in 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul talked about his thorn in the flesh, he said it was a messenger of Satan. Now, I do not believe that was sickness there. I've already gone through that. I'm not going to go through all that. If you want me to know, if you want to know why, I'll relate it to you. But I don't believe it was sickness. I believe it was discouragement. I believe that was one of the chief things. And uh, I think that was because of Satan's affliction of. you know, the people that Paul had to deal with, this sort of thing. The cure for sickness caused by Satan is deliverance or medicine. Sometimes medicine can be helpful. I believe sometimes Satan can bind a person and bind their metabolism. It's particularly true in cases of depression. And you can cast out the devils or you can lay hands all day long. And what they need, and Larry Pierce would, would, I think, uh, validate this, they need to go and they need to have their metabolism straightened out by medication. And that can happen. Also, inner healing can be used um, in this regard. And I'll say something about that later. So, one cause is sin, the second cause is Satan. Third, is imperfection in the created order. In Genesis 3, 14 through 19, it talks about that creation fell when man fell. And that's the reason that he was banished from the Garden of Eden. That's the reason a woman has pain in childbearing. I don't believe God ever intended that to be painful. But that was part of what happened when man fell from God's grace. Many pains we endure now you might turn to romans chapter eight for just a minute romans chapter eight beginning in verse 16 romans 8 beginning in verse 16 the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit we are the children of god and if children heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. The anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected subjected to futility, not of its own will, but because of him, that is God who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption under the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth even until now. So therefore you have congenital illness. You have a child that is born deformed. Because of the imperfection in the created order. Also, you have, you know, you have a Christian who loves the Lord, who believes the Lord, everything else. He's riding down the road and all of a sudden a drunk crosses the median, hits him head on and kills him. Now you can't say that's because man didn't have any faith. You can't say that's because, uh, you know, the man uh, was, was sinful. That's just the fact that you live in a created order that has fallen. You can be walking down the street and, and uh, you know, something can fall fall off of a building. A rock can come down. And so there are, that's one of the causes of sickness and sin in this world. So we have uh, the cause of sin, we have the cause of Satan, and then we have the imperfection in the created order those are three reasons for sickness and then I have a fourth one <laughs> don't know <laughs> that's my fourth category <laughs> we don't know we don't know why it's happened and that's when you get need the gift of discernment and um, uh, the the cure for uh, this when you don't know is forgiveness sometime deliverance sometime medicine sometime inner healing now Inner healing is where you deal with the resentments or the bitterness or the painful things the person has experienced in their lifetime. Uh, one lady in this church was telling me about an instance she had with a former pastor where she came to him and he went through every part of her life with her and would, would uh, in a cleansing way, dealing with these things. And this resulted... In this inner healing and she's never had a need for anything like that since so sometime when you pray with somebody and they're not healed and you don't know why then you realize you need the discernment of the Lord now we're going to get into the um, next to last area we deal with and that is how to stay healthy how to stay healthy And uh, I want to talk about that from the theological perspective, but also there's another perspective. The Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you have a house and it has a warped roof, a warped wall or sagging beam, You're not going to just pray. Oh Lord, straighten out that wall. Oh Lord, lift that beam up. No, you're not going to do that. Because you know there's a human way, there's a reason for that, and it needs to be corrected. Therefore, if your body is a mess, and you're talking about how much faith you've got, then I think you've got to sit down and, and think about it a little bit. And I think you need to realize that you may be sick and you may have physical problems and it may be because that you've not taken care of your body. And so I asked Dr. Alan Graham, who is a doctor of chiropractic medicine, to come here and he has, his specialty is diet and exercise. He's helped me a lot. And I think he can help a lot of people. Now, I'll tell you right now, you're not going to like what he says.
1: <laughs> I
0: guarantee. You. Uh, you're not going to like it. Uh, and you have to just pray about it. <laughs> pray about it. But I want to give out something that he has for you, and then I want to ask him to share for a few moments about this important part of staying healthy. So let's just start. Just take one. I I'm going
1: to volunteer to tell uh, Roy Whitley and uh, Linda that I'm going to be leaving
0: in about 15 minutes. Is that okay, All right.
1: I Please. <laughs> um, two weeks ago, Dick asked me to come talk to you for 10 minutes about staying healthy and it's difficult to explain it to you in 10 minutes, but we're going to try to cover a few basics in 10 minutes and let the handouts fill in the difference. Uh, He has taken care of the spiritual very well, and so I'm not going to really cover that. I'm just going to hit the natural part because I think there's things that we all can do in our health care at home that will significantly improve our our health and longevity. And I've asked God to give me three major topics, uh, and he gave me three major topics to talk with you about. And they are diet, exercise, and stress. Yeah, okay. There's no secret that uh, the major amount of health care expenses that you may incur in your lifetime have to deal with heart disease and cancer. And there was an article in today's USA Today. It said that stroke, coronary heart disease, diabetes, chronic obstructive lung disease, lung cancer, breast cancer cervical cancer, colon and rectal cancer, and liver disease killed 427 of every 100,000 Americans. The CDC's Robert Hahn said, we don't think that that this has anything to do with the physical environment, but rather with the lifestyles of the people. Now, it just so happens that the state of North Carolina is in the bottom 25%. Uh, Of all the states, we have one of the highest rates of death From preventable degenerative diseases throughout the whole country. Michigan was the worst, Hawaii was the best. So now you know you you may have not known but you ought to see that diet does have a role in heart disease. In an article that from uh, the Winston-Salem Journal October of 90 uh, from the Los Angeles Times by Janie Scott He's quoting some doctors at UCLA. He says, an estimated one-third of all cancer deaths may be related to food. That's as many as, as perhaps more than, can be traced to tobacco. With about 485,000 deaths in the United States each year, that means that 160,000 people would die of cancer traceable to diet. In November's American Chiropractic Association journal, uh, they go on to say that although everyone is worried about pesticides on produce, the risk of developing cancer from pesticides on produce is no greater than one in 10,000 to three in 10,000. By contrast, the National Cancer Institute estimates that 25% of the U.S. population, that's one quarter of the population, has a cancer risk for not eating enough fruits and vegetables. This non veggie non-fruit eating group of about 60 million Americans has a 70% chance, that's greater than 2 thirds chance, of developing cancer. That's twice the risk of the US population as a whole. And that's from the National Cancer Institute. Exercise. If we look at the topic of exercise, um, Jane Brody, in her health column in the Winston-Salem Journal, October 1990, said that, in fact, according to a recently published survey and analysis by the Federal Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, an elevated level of cholesterol in the blood is not even the most important factor in deaths from heart attacks in this country. Sedentary living is. Happily, it is the coronary risk factor, sedentary living is, that is easiest for most people to do something about No drugs or dietary overhauls are needed, and little or no special equipment or added expense are required for regular heart-protecting exercise. The third area was stress. And let's just take high blood pressure, a typical thing you would associate with stress. She goes on to say that regular physical exercise can help to lower blood pressure, enabling some people with mild high blood pressure to achieve a normal pressure without medication by lowering blood pressure, you can reduce your chances of suffering from a stroke or developing kidney disease. Okay, well, Now, if we go on to look at stress and how it affects the Christian in particular, I'm going to quote two major Christian authors. The first is Dr. James Dobson, a very eminent Christian psychologist that's had a profound effect on Christian psychology in this country. He says that time and fatigue pressure are a major factor affecting the American home. Another area of stress is financial. Larry Burkett. The noted Christian uh, financial consultant says that improper budgeting and too much debt adversely affect the Christian home, Christian marriages, relationships um, within the marriage. So we've we've identified some problems now. The next five minutes we're going to identify some very um, hard-hitting solutions. Uh, In Deuteronomy it says that it will be a perpetual statute for you and your generations that you're not supposed to eat fat and that's you know that's one of the books that um, first five books of the bible it was part of the law or the torah and if we look at common you know, modern day research today about fat there's an article that appeared in the western salem journal july of 90 it goes on to say it's from the associated press in london a strict low fat vegetarian diet can reverse damage caused by heart disease according to the findings of, of an american study published in the weekly british medical magazine the lancet that's the equivalent to the journal of the American Medical Association that we have in our country here. The lifestyle heart trial was conducted on 41 heart disease patients by the Preventative Medicine Institute, Research Institute of Sausalito, California. Dr. Dean Ornish, the studies coordinator, says well, what we're finding is that heart disease may be completely preventable for most people if they're willing to make the changes in their lifestyle. Uh, he had an experimental group that he that he fed a low-fat vegetarian diet with regular exercise. 82% of those folks reversed coronary artery disease. Okay. He did that with a diet that was, had a um, percentage of fat in terms of calories, a percentage of fat in terms of calories of 10%. He also studied the typical recommendations of the American Heart Association, the 30% uh, percentage of calories from fat. And he found that about half of those people experienced a worsening of arterial blockage. The average American has 50% fat in their diet. If you get down to 30% your you're borderline on whether you're going to lay down new fat or not in your body, it takes, to get, it takes about 10% fat in the diet to start to reverse it. Now the question you may ask yourself is, do I have heart disease? Well, Dr. Crane at the Weimar Institute wrote an article and he said that autopsies of servicemen killed in action in the Korean and Vietnam War revealed that 45 to 70 percent of the healthy young men had some degree of atherosclerosis, simply stated fat in the arteries, and that 5 to 15 percent had severe narrowing of the coronary arteries. His research came from the Journal of the American Medical Association in 1971. exercise. The father of aerobics in this country is Dr. Kenneth Cooper. He consults with the Air Force and other, other branches of, military, of the military. He wrote the very popular book Aerobics. Aerobics is not uh, going to the Y and putting your jogging suit on and dancing to music. Aerobics is any type of exercise that raises the heart rate. And, if, and a goal that he cites for a male, because you know we do have the highest rate of heart disease, he suggests that we build up to being able to walk three miles in 42 minutes. Now, his book, Aerobics, gives you all types of, of programs that you can choose, not just walking alone. He provides you with an assessment means, um, some preventative things to do before you start the assessment, and ways to transition into good exercise. Okay. In the book of Hebrews, it says that all discipline for the moment seems not profitable, but afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. It does take discipline to exercise, and there's no doubt about it. In the area of stress, Dr. Dobson suggests that the American family, especially the Christian family in particular, should budget their time so that we don't feel this time and fatigue pressure, so that we have the time to deal with the emotional problems that will arise. Um, Larry Burkett, his suggestion to the American Christian family is that we have a very planned budget and we work vigorously to get out of debt. And I'll make a plug for um, Managing Your Money, the course that's taught here by Dave Roddick and it, can, it comes from the ministry of Ron Blue who is uh, a new person on the scene that's, that's um, uh, along with Larry Briquette trying to teach the Christian on how to get out of financial bondage. And I'd like to thank you for letting me talk with you about these ideas. I know some of them are different than what you've heard, and I expect that. I've um, gone to great lengths to uh, cut research out to make let you know that I just didn't make this stuff up. Um, I have a handout for you right there. Could I get one from somebody? Uh, the first one, I'm going to be done in about one minute here. The first one is from the Weimar Institute. They are a Seventh-day Adventist group in California. And the Seventh-day Adventist, you know, they're doctrinally, you know, we have to be a little cautious with them. But uh, one thing is for sure, they've done some excellent work in the area of of preventing and correcting the degenerative diseases at this institute. And, And I've been looking for information for a long time, and they sent me a packet of information that was significantly documented in the scientific literature. And if you look this over and just see what the Lord has to say to you about it, um, that's good. Um, on the very back, I've given you what I call an easy exercise program you can start. Now, we've, we've talked about cancer and the general heart disease, but what about chronic pain? That's what I see a lot of every day. You notice in paragraph 7 of my talk here, I say that uh, research indicates that a diet low in fat, sugar, salt, and animal and dairy products and high increase in fruits and vegetables and grains can help reduce muscle, nerve, and joint pain. Chronic pain also can be uh, prevented, in my opinion, with good exercise and good diet. Now, please don't take these things as a prescription from me to you on something to do. Uh, there's no way that you and I can engage in a doctor-patient relationship by coming up here 10 minutes to talk to you. This is something that you're going to have to work out with you and you, you, you between you and your healthcare advisor. I just wanted to give you something just to to let you think a little bit about that there could be a relationship, and I believe that there is, between what we eat and how we feel. And even if you did all this, and you still get sick, I don't want you to feel guilty. I'm just saying that your odds statistically are reduced in the research I've seen if you move toward a low-fat, moderate exercise lifestyle. And um, I hope you've enjoyed it, and if I can answer any questions for you later, please let me know. Thank you, Alan. I want to say that he makes
0: a living at this (laughs) and and, uh, so if you want further help I'd recommend him Uh, I have uh, been to him these exercises that he gave you I follow myself and um, let me say that I'm uh, I am an illustration of somebody who was injured by the wrong kind of exercise because I took the wrong kind of exercise I've always been uh, pretty diligent about following some kind of exercise, and I took the wrong kind, and it resulted in two hernias, and I still have some problems in those areas from time to time. So it's very, uh, uh, very much. I didn't realize the exercise pattern I was following was about 20 years old, and um, Alan began to look at that and advised me, and I realized that what I was doing could injure my back.
1: It was a back problem, just waiting to happen. Yeah.
0: And I yeah, have so. two things to leave. There's okay.
1: um, There's a book called Homemade Health, the only Christian book I've seen from a distinctly Christian perspective on staying well naturally. Now, there are others out there, but I've uh, taken a look at this. I'll leave this up here for you to look at it. Many people ask me, well, geez, I can't find anything to eat that tastes good. Well, I've got a whole bunch of stuff. It's low fat, boxes that I've eaten. It's not, you know, it's, some of these things are a little bit more liberal than that diet of lots. Well, this is not low-fat, but it's close. It's 30%. But, uh, you, People always ask me, I don't have anything to eat. It tastes good. Well, I'm going to leave these up here. You can throw them away. And, um
0: now, is this converted or unconverted rice? I don't
1: know. <laughs> That's what I want to know. You're going to pray for it we'll try to convert it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Alan. <laughs>
0: next time, next time, we... <laughs> When we get together, we will talk about... Incidentally, Alan is leaving. He's going out on the EE. He's in our Evangelism Explosion program. Appreciate you coming, Alan. Um, Next time, we're going to talk about uh, some of the theological and biblical ways uh, to stay healthy. Uh, We have um, one young man here tonight who has come here to be prayed for, and I'm going to ask him to come up this time. It's Alan Woosley. Would you come on up, Alan? I know uh, you're here. And uh, uh, Nick, I'm going to ask you to come help me pray. And we're going to pray for Alan. Alan is not a member of this church. I will require that for a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll see what we can do. Alan has had, uh, for a long time, uh, very severe migraine headaches. And so we're going to pray for that. And um, he's told me that. that. That speeds us up a little bit. I don't have to ask him what the problem is because he, he told me that this afternoon. And what we do, he comes with a definite uh, problem and we're going to pray. Now, um, you need to know that um, uh, sometimes uh, headaches of this kind have to do with the whole spinal cord of the body. And so I'm going to pray for him in connection with uh, that part of the body. I don't know if that's true, but I, as I talked to him this afternoon, that seemingly came to me to pray in that area. And so is there uh, anything you'd like to share other than you shared with me and i told them about the problem? I don't want a speech, I just want to very quickly. Get you. <laughs> 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 okay, don't, don't have time to say anything. I don't believe your your work is all that like, stressful. You didn't appear to me to be and I just uh, I felt I needed to say that. Alright. And Alan, the Bible says if any of you are sick, let them call the elders of the church, let them pray and morning you with oil. A prayer of faith will save the sick, and we anoint you in the form of a cross, because uh, the Bible says, with his stripes on the cross we were healed. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, for having we pray, Father, that you would reveal to us because there's no way that we know how to pray. We know that he's had medical help and it hasn't helped. And so, Lord, we um, I believe that he's been diligent in trying to deal with this. And so, Father, you just reveal anything that uh, you would specifically want me or want Nick to pray for this time. Thank you. Now what I do, I let my mind be as blank. Sometimes that's not hard for me, but <laughs> I let my mind be as blank as, as I can. And um, as I did that, I received the word hurry. Lord, hurry! did you receive anything? Did you receive anything? The in my head well, Why don't
1: I come down
0: here with the other Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you, and Father, we pray for. We all live in such a rush environment, Lord, and I just pray for my brother here that you would enable him to so order his life. ask you, Lord, to be the order where, Lord, he can put his priorities in the right way and he can have time for his family and for the other things on him. And I pray, Lord, that he will not be pressed into action by people who are in stress. Thank you. very sensitive about their hair if you mess up their hair that's all they'll be thinking about so lay your hand very lightly thank you father lord we praise you lord we pray for your healing in the name of jesus Father, in the name of Jesus, we place our fingers at the base of the skull that come against that headache. We come against any guilt of unforgiveness or any unresolved unforgiveness. Lord, we come against uh, pressure, healing real pressure. In the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray for the healing of his body. right now, Lord, you would just cause all these um, parts of his skull in the lower area to just come into line if there's any blockage. We pray, Father, for the spinal cord and the upper part of that spinal cord. We ask you, Lord, to knit those things back together in the name of Jesus. We pray that this headache, this affliction of the evil one, will be healed. Thank you, Lord, and that He will no longer have this affliction. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. I think we're out of time. Out of time. But let me ask you. Um, did you witness anything of like the, the pressure of hurry or unforgiveness? Was that anything that you don't have to go into detail or say anything about it, just if, if you witness to that in your own life, does that mean you Probably to hurry. <laughs> I don't think there's any unforgiveness He says he doesn't know of any unforgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> It may be that you're not aware of that. So I just ask you to think about that. And, um, uh, because we you kill, you ask the Lord, tell us what you've done. And let us know. Did you have any hands when you killed? Yes. I say, well, so you wouldn't know if it it was going, it comes and goes. But, uh, so, and if it comes back, you immediately rebuke it. Don't let it set in. When you even feel it's coming off, put your put your hand on yourself. And say in the name or I I think probably better if you put it back here and say in the name of Jesus, you lay hands on yourself. In the name of Jesus, that day before it has a chance to catch up. That is where they stop. It is where they okay. So. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Brother you, well, Pastor, back the you said there'd be another session. This is 6 it? it yeah,
1: would yeah, be two more. Eight? Eight. Yeah, be two more sessions. Let 6 It was a band...